and soon his whole body would feel as if it was trapped in some huge web of tangled ropes, unable to get away, while those who sought to devour him came ever closer, their voices of contempt rising to a crescendo. "'For the love of God, Burns, will you stop that damned caterwauling?' It was not the sound of the complaint that brought Toby back to soaked wakefulness, but the boot that kicked him with scant gentility in the ribs. Eyes open, he had no initial idea where he was. The beamed ceiling could have been his attic bedroom, or his old school dormitory, body blows being nothing unusual in the latter. Just then the boom of a cannon came through the barred slit in the wall, which brought him back to full reality and, with a turn of his head, the glaring face of the naval lieutenant who had so rudely awakened him. Leave the poor lad alone. The response to that remonstrance was the harsh growl of an angry man and a dry throat. I cannot abide the noise, damn it! Yet I do not hear you curse our fellows on the high ground for setting off their cannon. Sitting upright, the grey light of dawn was enough to show Toby the two men in dispute. One a naval lieutenant called Watson, the other, the fellow defending him, a major of infantry. This knowledge of identity and rank came from previous contact, for neither man was wearing uniform. Indeed, the Marine was without even a shirt, his bare and hairy torso gleaming with sweat. The Navy man was clothed in his long shirt, a piece of linen that no longer showed the least trace of the white it had once been, so stained was it with perspiration and accumulated filth. The lieutenant was unrepentant. Gunfire hints at salvation from this hellhole, sir, but the moans and screams of this fellow seem as the portents of hell. I felt I was trying to sleep in bedlam. Forgive me, sir, Toby croaked, for if I do disturb you, I'm not aware of my doing so. Thank the Lord I do not have to share a berth with you, Burns. I feel pity for your fellow mids if you behave in a similar manner aboard ship. The infantry major... A Scotsman who went by the name of Buchanan was not listening. He had stepped over the still recumbent Toby to look out of a slot in the stonework that had once facilitated the firing of arrows, talking over his shoulder. Are you so fixated on your annoyance, sir, that you cannot register the fact that our French friends have not responded? In short, they have not returned fire as they normally do. Perhaps, Watson spat, They are allowed a better level of rest than that which is afforded us. In short, they are still asleep. The next sound was not of a single cannon, but a salvo coming from a whole multitude of muzzles, as the whole of the besieging batteries opened up as one. That was followed by the combined whistles of their flight, then the various sounds as they struck home— sharp cracks on immovable stone, dull repeated thuds if they bounced along the hard ground— the breaking of timbers and tiles if something less solid than fortress walls stood in their path. That whole cacophony followed by silence, which brought forth a whisper from Major Buchanan. And still the French are idle. He turned to look at Toby, a wide smile on an unshaved face made bright red by heat. It would seem to me we are approaching a crisis in the action, young sir. Happen it will not be long before you do get to test your dreams again in that ship's berth.
The rattle of keys brought all occupants of the cell, Toby included, to their feet as the door swung open to reveal a sergeant bearing a pail. If the food they were about to receive was of poor quality, it was still sustenance, and there was no other even if payment was proffered. Yet more welcome was the fellow who came next with the water bucket and ladle, who cursed away in French as he sought to get the prisoners to form an orderly queue for a much-needed drink. There was another bucket in the room, the one that was used throughout the day as well as the hours of darkness for the prisoners to relieve themselves, and given their numbers it was near to overflowing with piss, while several turds floated alarmingly close to the lip. The French sergeant, once he had dished out his gruel, looked at it meaningfully, for that which was needed did not constitute a duty that fell to a jailer. When you're done eating burns, empty the slops, Watson ordered. Buchanan raised his head from the wooden plate from which he was trying to scrape the last morsel.